0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, It was, in fact, two years ago this month, I believe, in fact, uh, two years ago yesterday, the Protection of Communities and Exploited Persons Act took effect. This was the federal government's response to a Supreme Court ruling which had struck down the three provisions of Canada's criminal code related to prostitution. Now, prostitution itself was never illegal. And the argument was that these laws really only had the effect of making it more dangerous, therefore violating the Section 7 rights of those in the sex trade. The court agreed, struck down those provisions, gave the government a year to come up with a new law. Now... I think the government really didn't have to do anything. Those laws are struck down. There are laws that deal with exploitation and violence. The government could have left well enough alone, which would have, I think, essentially decriminalized the sex trade. Instead, the government took what was the so-called Nordic model to view the women as victims and to view their customers as perpetrators. So it made paying for sex illegal. But being in the sex trade was ostensibly not a crime. So where are we now, two years later? The Pivot Legal Society has released a new report today uh, claiming that Canada's laws still are violating the charter rights of those in the sex trade. And they are still facing violence and exploitation. Joining us on the line to talk more about it, Brenda Belak, who is a sex work campaign lawyer with the Pivot Legal Society, PivotLegal.org. Brenda, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Rob. All right. So as I mentioned, we've had this law now for two years. So do you think that's given us enough time to get a sense of the impact that it's having?
1: I do, I do. Uh, We've been speaking to sex workers and organizations that serve sex workers across the country over the past two years, and what we've heard is consistent, that the laws are continuing to put sex workers uh, in danger in a way that they don't need to be. And I must say, I appreciated very much uh, your summary, and we agree fully that the government didn't need to do anything after the Supreme Court of Canada decision, we could have lived quite happily with a decriminalized regime.
0: All right. So why, then, has the new law not made much of a difference? Why is it still posing these these same issues that, that the previous laws did?
1: Well, for one thing, it's not actually a full Nordic model, um, because uh, sex workers who communicate in specific public places so anywhere that is near to um, a park uh, or a daycare or a uh, sorry, what's the third one, um, a school, could be um, charged still as uh, breaking the law for communicating. So it's not a full Nordic model. Um, and we have seen communicating charges laid against sex workers. So to say that sex workers are fully decriminalized under the law is actually not accurate. Um, but even if it were the case that it was a full Nordic model, What's been seen in other countries where they have a Nordic model and also what's been seen in Vancouver where for a while um, the police were essentially enforcing in a way that was similar to a Nordic model is that that actually doesn't work to make sex workers safer. You can't make half of a transaction illegal and not uh, cast stigma on the people involved in it. You also can't make half of a transaction illegal and not um, have police continuing to be drawn to those situations. And it's the idea that um, people are trying to work in a covert way to avoid the police that actually created the situation um, where sex workers' Section 7 security of the person rights were being violated.
0: Right. So, I mean, yeah, the essential the, the argument of that case is, I understand, then, that, that steps that women were trying to take to make their situation safer, were actually illegal, and so the law was putting them in more danger. So you're saying that essentially that, that's still happening?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I'd add that um, you know not all sex workers are women, um, or not all sex workers identify as women. Um, right. So it, that's continuing to be true for, for everyone who's, who's um, selling sex.
0: All right. So... It was unclear, I, I think, along the way, as, as the Harper government at the time drafted this new law, where the Liberal Party stood on this. I, I think they were critical of some elements, but really didn't seem to, to outright oppose it. Uh, since they've taken office, have, have there been any steps to, to address anything at all to do with this, this law?
1: There haven't been steps yet to actually address the law, but what there has been is a willingness on the part of government to speak directly to sex workers and to organizations like ours that advocate alongside sex workers and to hear what harms are being caused. And so we've been um, quite encouraged over the past year to have meetings with uh, a number of um, highly placed people in the Liberal government, and we've seen... um, as I said, a willingness to listen to what's going on and a recognition that there's a problem with the law. And I think there is a genuine intent on the part of government to address it and to deal with it.
0: Right. I don't think anybody wants another prolonged legal battle that has to go all the way back to the Supreme Court. Um, But let me ask the question this way. Can this law be improved, or is the law just fundamentally flawed? What
1: I hear from the sex workers that I talk to is that it's fundamentally flawed, you simply can't have a situation where you make the purchase of sex illegal and not have that always have repercussions for sex workers. So we absolutely believe um, that the law needs to be done away with. And as you pointed out in your introduction, If what you're really concerned about is violence and exploitation, we have other laws in the criminal, other provisions in the criminal code that we can use to address those situations. And having this special law that essentializes sex workers and says, you know, that they're different from other people doesn't help them.
0: Right. So we need to to remove the element that, that criminalizes demand, you're saying.
1: We need to, yes, absolutely, remove the criminal element, including removing um, the criminalization of third parties that work alongside sex workers, because there are lots of situations in which third parties uh, enhance the safety of sex workers. If you've got a commercial establishment and you've got somebody who's um, booking clients and they're taking information that they can use to verify who's making the booking, you've got people working the door, you've got drivers driving people to uh, their dates, that creates much more safety than it would if those uh, same-sex workers were working in isolation.
0: All right. So what kind of a timeline does the government face here? I mean, are are there sex workers who are prepared to challenge this new law in court? Is that likely to come to a head at some point soon?
1: Uh, I think if the government doesn't um, begin to move, and we are very hopeful that they will start engaging in... um, more formal consultations perhaps, or something that that is uh, more visible than what we've been doing up till now. Um, Yeah, there are people who are getting ready to uh, bring something forward. But as, again, as you pointed out, Uh, Sex workers really don't want to have to do that. I mean, for the Bedford case that struck down the three provisions that you referred to, you know, that was filed in 2007. Um, That was a long time for people to be in court. Uh, It took a long time and a lot of effort and a lot of pain for the people involved to be able to get to that resolution. They don't want to have to do that again.
0: Of course, and I mean, the, the premise of the previous government moved forward on was that the sex trade itself is inherently dangerous, inherently exploitative, and the, the ultimate goal should be to get women out of it. Now, there are some women who, who do maybe want to get out of it uh, and, and maybe help should be provided. But what about that approach? Is, is that the kind of approach, the kind of mindset that, that this government needs to move away from?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, what we have in the sex trade is incredible diversity, and as you mentioned, there may be people who are doing it um, and actually don't want to continue to do it, but do because they have relatively few options. And let's face it, doing sex work can be um, a low barrier job for some people. There are other people who really uh, like what they're doing, who make a good living at it, and who want to keep doing it. And it's not helpful to continue to paint everything with the same brush and to take this approach that all sexual activity for compensation is necessarily exploitative or violent because it's not. And we can say for certain that not all is because there are lots of people who are willing to come forward and talk about their own experiences, and they're not. They don't involve violence or exploitation.
0: Right. So do, do we have enough in place, do you think, to, to help those transition out of the industry if, if that's what they're hoping to do?
1: I think that's a very, very complex um, question, but I would say no. And part of the reason that I would say no is um, even in Vancouver over the last 10 years, we've seen um, funding withdrawn from organizations that did assist sex workers who decided they wanted to transition into something else. Um, So I I think that uh, generally there could be much more put into social services, and not just for people in the sex trade. I think we, for uh, a country that is... You know, incredibly well resourced compared to many others where most people enjoy um, a relatively better standard of living. We don't put enough uh, into supporting those who are at um, the lower end of things. So we really need uh, more investments in income assistance, more investments in education and more investments, for example, for Indigenous peoples and for new, uh, newcomers to Canada to enable them to make the choices that they would like to be making.
0: All right. Well, Brenda, we'll leave it there. As mentioned more at pivotlegal.org. Thank you so much for making some time for us here today.
1: Thank you very much, Rob.
0: All right, take care. Brenda Bilak is a sex work campaign lawyer with the Pivot Legal Society, which was, is uh, as, as, I don't know if we noted it, actually I was about to say as noted, but should note that they, they were part of the original challenge uh, of Canada's prostitution laws. So they say now two years since the new law came in, we've still got the same old problems And the government needs to fix this lest we end up back in court all over again. 403-974-8255 is a number. Quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.